0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and
1: ideas. Powered by UMobile. 5G now with you.
0: Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. While all airlines were badly hit by the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, for Qatar Airways, the global shutdown came on top of a blockade imposed by neighbouring countries on Qatar that limited its airspace use in the region since 2017. With the blockade now lifted and the pandemic largely in the rearview mirror for the airline industry, is it clear skies ahead for Qatar Airways, especially with the tailwind of the FIFA World Cup this month? Joining me on the show today is Datuk Muzamil Muhammad, Regional Manager for ASEAN for Qatar Airways. Datuk, welcome back to the Breakfast Grill.
1: Thank you. It's always great to be back.
0: I'd like to start with a retrospective look at just what we've gone through for the past two years. Unlike other airlines from larger countries that had a domestic market to fall back on during the pandemic, Qatar Airways didn't. Your business is all about international travel. So how was Qatar able to keep its planes in the air during the 2020 lockdown period when borders were largely closed?
1: Yeah, this is actually a very interesting topic that you've actually brought up today. Um, Throughout the whole pandemic, we had never stopped flying. And we were probably uh, one of the only airlines that were flying throughout the whole entire of the pandemic. And uh, of course, we had to reduce our number of destinations. We used to be flying more than 170 destinations worldwide. But uh, during the pandemic, at the peak of it, um, when it was in March 2020, we dropped our destinations to about 33 And out of these 33 destinations, Kuala Lumpur was always kept online. Um, And we were there to actually help passengers be reunited back with their families. You know, people were stranded and uh, airlines were cancelling the flights and people couldn't be back to be reunited with their family. And we make sure that this is actually the time that we should actually be there for the people whom has actually supported us throughout the good times. And we... Kept on flying. We had a lot of charter flights uh, to transport people um, and to make sure that people are able to travel.
0: Why Malaysia Dato? Why was Malaysia considered so important that you couldn't stop flights to this country?
1: Okay. Not just Malaysia, even Singapore was kept uh, online, even Jakarta, Manila, you know. Uh, But Kuala Lumpur was actually key because we have been flying to Kuala Lumpur for the last 20 years. In fact, on the 17th of December 2021 we celebrated our 20th year anniversary of flying into Kuala Lumpur. And uh, Kuala Lumpur, again, the other unique thing about Kuala Lumpur then was because KLIA allows people to transit through KLIA, whereas Changi or Jakarta, they actually do not allow people to transit during this pandemic. Hmm. So we actually make use of it to make sure that people are actually able to fly to neighbouring countries via Kuala Lumpur.
0: I see. Okay, so there was a very strategic reason as well, in addition to the long ties that Qatar Airways has had with the uh, Malaysian uh, partners. Now, the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic came on top of the blockade that was imposed on Qatar by other Gulf countries since 2017. When we spoke to you last on The Breakfast Grill, um, you discussed how Qatar Airways was trying to build resilience amid the blockade. Did the pandemic undo these efforts or make it more difficult for Qatar Airways to to handle that? These two, I mean, they were both negative events, essentially.
1: Well, it wasn't actually because, you know, like what I've said earlier, way back in 2018, when we spoke about the uh, blockade, the blockade has actually, um, basically teaches us to be more resilient. And we were actually faster to actually uh, react towards the situation. So during the blockade, what happens is that we accelerated new destinations that we had actually planned uh, to actually uh, start flying later and we brought it forward. And one of it was actually Penang and Langkawi. We were flying to Penang and Langkawi uh, in 2018 and 2019. And when the pandemic kicks in um, and there was a uh, lockdown everywhere in the whole entire world, that was when we made the decision to actually continue to fly rather than stop flying like many other airlines have actually decided. And that helps us and it also helps uh, us to actually make sure that our brand is actually now um, well-known and being uh, an airline that people can rely on when they really need to travel. Mm. And, and, and you know what? Just because of that, we actually made a record profit uh, for financial year 2021. Uh, we made a $1.54 billion US billion profit, which was never seen before and by many other airlines.
0: So do you, you think that this is on account of um, Qatar Airways keeping itself in the air, being being that lifeline for passengers that needed to travel um, abroad, travel internationally? Is that, is that the reason for the reversal of fortunes for Qatar Airways um, in 2021?
1: Yes, definitely. If you keep the planes in the air, you definitely make money, right?
0: But um, to do that, that wasn't free for sure. (laughs) That uh, must have had, you must have had to channel funding um, from somewhere. And um, the airline is wholly owned by the Qatari government. So a substantial chunk of uh, funding during the pandemic to keep planes afloat must have come from the government. How much support um, did Qatar Airways receive to stay afloat?
1: Well, we had some support, definitely, but uh, there was the only one that we had. uh, And the rest is actually self-financing.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you give me a split? How much was um, funding from the government? How much was self-financing? Is there a percentage split in which you can share?
1: Um, Well, I I don't remember offhand, but it was like really, really minimal. Um, And because we have always been making sure that we operate to make sure that we are profitable.
0: Does the positive momentum extend to the Malaysian business? Because based on available records, Qatar Airways made a loss before tax in Malaysia in financial year 2020. Did this trend continue in 2021 and 2022 or has it also seen a reversal of fortunes?
1: No, like I mentioned, we have actually made a record profit uh, for the group for the Qatar Airways, uh, which was one point five four billion US. And we hope that this year we will continue to be able to record profit again with the FIFA coming up.
0: But with uh, in just zooming on the Malaysian operations, mm-hmm. is it also in the black?
1: Yeah, because we don't we don't actually really have a profit and loss for a country basically. So because we consolidate it into as a group, so Malaysia is actually considered as just a branch office uh, mm-hmm. of Qatar Airways. And the same goes with the rest of the countries that we fly to.
0: Okay, so there's no distinction of such in terms of revenue flows, which contributes more, which contributes less?
1: Uh, we, we, well, we do have in terms of, if you're talking about like point of sales, right? Uh, like um, revenue targets and so on, of course. And, and I can tell you that we are actually way ahead of our target for this year. And we were also doing very well last year during the pandemic. Uh, because during the pandemic, while others were not flying, we were capturing a higher market share because we were probably the only one that people can actually fly um, and go through Doha to get to as far as even Argentina, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that really helps and uh, the brand recognition is actually important. And like I said, uh, not only that we fly people from one point to the other, but we also make sure that people fly safely mm. and hygienically because of the COVID. People tend to be a little bit more Uh, worry in terms of whether it's hygienic or not, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, Qatar Airways has managed to put all those procedures and guidelines in place to reassure passengers. Um, I'm wondering how much of um, Qatar Airways' ability to um, stay open during the pandemic was also due to your cost-cutting efforts. So Qatar Airways laid off over 13,000 staff during the height of the pandemic. Did this also affect the Malaysian operations here?
1: Well, it affects uh, most of the countries. So basically, it was not something that we wanted to do just because of covid we actually had this, what we call the transformation plan, which was planned, you know, way ahead before the COVID kicks in in 2020. So what happened is that with the COVID, we actually decided to accelerate the plan. So we actually brought forward, just like when I spoke about the blockade, we brought forward uh, the plans to actually start flying to new destinations. The same we did with this transformation. So we actually brought it forward. Uh, We reduced some numbers of uh, employees because we wanted more employees to do multitasking. Uh, which we are better off today. And uh, with the World Cup coming up, we're actually employing at least another 10,000 more people mm. to to cover the shortage.
0: Okay, so you're saying that um, cutting down on staff has always been the plan. Yes. The pandemic just accelerated it. Did you have to cut down more than you expected because of the pandemic?
1: No, we did not. We actually go according to the plan that we had in 2019.
0: Okay. And as you said, you're now looking to rehire more or hire more people back on because of the World Cup taking place later this month. Are you facing difficulties in recruiting staff? Because we have seen other airlines, other airports that, um, you know, are facing difficulties in bringing back staff that had left. Um, Is that something that you're experiencing on, on your end?
1: Yeah. Actually, this is not just in the airline industry. Even many other industries faces the same thing. And not only just Malaysia, even when I was in Singapore, I also find that it's actually quite difficult to actually recruit the right person. Recruiting people is not that difficult, but getting the right person to do the job that you want is actually a bit difficult. I guess uh, when the pandemic hit um, in 2020, um, our industry was actually the worst hit. Uh, You know, talking about travel industry, uh, hospitality, you know, tourism and so on. And those people who have actually lost their job during that period Uh, I think they are scared to come back. And they would have probably got something else to do or they are better off doing an online business and so on. And they just don't want to come back. Even if they want to come back, they would probably want you to pay double than what you used to pay them.
0: Is that what Qatar Airways is doing to bring staff back?
1: Uh, Well, no, because we have our uh, grading system and also our salary scale and we still follow those.
0: So you're not offering a more attractive um, salary packages?
1: Uh, Well, I... We already have a, an attractive package uh, even before. And, uh, you know, it's just that in answering your question, uh, it's actually quite difficult to get the right person to do the right job now uh, because people are a little bit more careful to come back into this uh, tourism industry.
0: The World Cup is only, it's about 10 days away at this point. Are Is, is staff shortages a big problem uh, in the lead up to the World Cup?
1: Uh, well... Yeah, because we have to do quite a number of additional flights and so on. So what happened during this uh, World Cup, we have actually uh, focused more in terms of concentrating on the countries that have have qualified for the World Cup, so that we make sure that people can actually, the supporters can actually fly to actually witness the uh, the match in stadium, and also focusing on countries where we know that there will be a lot of supporters wanting to go for the World Cup. So we have actually uh, rejig our uh, network a little bit during this uh, World Cup period. And obviously, we need more planes to fly. We need a lot more people to actually operate, uh, not just the airport, baggage handlers, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah, definitely here. Yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. So there is a priority system going on at this place in in managing that shortage. I do want to ask um, the issue of price at the moment, Dato. Given Mm -hmm. especially the volatile oil prices, I mean, Mm -hmm. how much does that factor into your costing um, for flights? And um, is it inevitable that prices are going to be trending upwards uh, from now and moving on into 2023?
1: Okay, to answer that question, it's not just because of fuel, but there's also pent-up demand. For two years, people wanting to travel, but they can't travel because of the border closures and so on. And uh, because of that, people are willing to even pay a little bit more in order to travel. For example, if you used to fly economy, you would probably want to fly business class. Number one, because you have a little more saving now than before. Number two, probably you don't want to be crowded in the coach cabin, for example, And because of demand and the supply is actually slightly lesser compared to before because shortage of pilots, shortage of cabin crew, uh, shortage of, uh, like you rightfully said, uh, manpower at the airport and so on. Um, Airlines are not able to actually deploy uh, more aircrafts Mm -hmm. to ply the routes and so on. So because of this, uh, the um, demand is actually higher than supply coupled with the upwards price of the uh, jet fuel, this has actually pushes up the airfare to be actually a lot more higher than before.
0: Mm.
1: As an example, Kuala Lumpur, London return, you can get as low as probably 2001 during promotion and probably on the average of 2008 uh, for a normal, um, you know, day-to-day purchase if you purchase it early. But now you can't get them. You would probably need to pay like close to 4000 just to get to London and back in economy class.
0: Okay, so it's a multi-factor trend. You see this being sustained, these high prices, this is going to be the norm moving forward?
1: My personal opinion, I don't see that it would be coming down, at least not for next year. And I would always urge people to actually buy a ticket if they see that the fare is actually acceptable to them. Because if you keep waiting for a cheaper fare, it might come, it might not come. You never know.
0: Okay. I'm speaking to Datuk Muzamil Muhammad, regional manager for ASEAN of Qatar Airways. After the break, we're going to discuss the opportunities that Qatar Airways is exploring with Malaysian partners. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9.
1: You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile.
0: 5G now with you. You're listening to The Breakfast Girl. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. With me today is Datuk Muzamil Mohamad, Regional Manager for ASEAN of Qatar Airways. Now, Dato, Qatar Airways expanded its code share agreement with Malaysia Airlines this year. And as you said, building on 20 years of flights coming into Malaysia from Qatar. Now, Malaysia Airlines is the only Southeast Asian carrier that Qatar Airways has a code share with, if I'm not uh, wrong. Why choose Malaysia out of the many options available in the region?
1: Uh, Like I said, Malaysia is actually important to us and we have been flying to Kuala Lumpur for the last 20 years and uh, we flew to Penang and Langkawi in 2018 and 2019. Now that has been suspended temporarily because of the COVID, right? But Kuala Lumpur has always been online. Now, uh, because of the FIFA coming up, um, we had shortage of aircraft as well because I mentioned earlier on, we need to prioritize and rejig our network strategy to make sure that Fans who really wants to go and support their country that qualify for the World Cup are able to fly, and number two, countries where you have a lot of fans that wants to fly to Qatar, they are able to do so. Now, but we need to keep Malaysia online, and we need to make sure that we have the right frequency out of Kuala Lumpur. Mm-hmm. Now, we used to do three flights a day out of Kuala Lumpur into Doha, and in order to do that. The only partners that we have rightfully would be Malaysia Airlines because they are the national carrier for Malaysia. And number two, uh, they're also the one world partner, which is actually our strategic alliance. And it would actually be easy because we already have a code share partner. um, We already have a code share agreement with Malaysia Mm Airlines and expanding it beyond would actually just be getting back to the table and discuss And with that, we have actually gotten Malaysia Airlines to actually um, operate two flights a day out of Kuala Lumpur into Doha, and we fly only one times a day out of uh, Kuala Lumpur into Doha. So we still keep three flights, but we are able to free two aircraft because it's now taken over by Malaysia Airlines, and that free aircraft we can actually use for the strategic network rejigging for the World Cup.
0: I see. So there is a rhyme and reason to why this code share was expanded and why Malaysia Airlines is given more um, flights to Doha. But how, what are the terms of the code share then? How long will this arrangement last? Will it continue even after the World Cup has ended?
1: Yes, it is actually planned to be continued. And in fact, if you book now, two of the flights are still going to be operated by Malaysia Airlines.
0: Will there be any look to expand more flights from the three currently going on? Or is that not on the cards at the moment?
1: Of course, uh, we always look at uh, demand and supply. And whenever that we feel that it is the right time, and we of course we have the assets, i.e. the aircraft, to deploy, we will always do that.
0: One thing that has been pointed out to me, Qatar Airways is consistently rated as one of the most luxurious airlines um, in the world. You're well known for your top Notch luxury service, Malaysia Airlines isn't quite in the same league, you know. So, is this a marriage of unequal partners? Is that accurate to say? <laughs> and how 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 does that work then?
1: Well, um, you know, this is how I always tell my friends, right? When they always ask me the same questions, Malaysia Airlines is actually not a bad airline, you know. Um, their product is actually equally good, you know, in that sense of their own, right? I mean, they serve good satay on board if you're flying business class, you know, even the nasi lemak tastes good, you know, it's not like before, you know. Um, but then again, you can't compare those two together because it is actually of a different league, right? But what is important is that when you fly between Kuala Lumpur, let's say to Manchester, you can actually opt to fly a Malaysia Alliance aircraft from Kuala Lumpur to Doha, where you can then transit at our award-winning airport, Haman International Airport, before you are actually being flown to Manchester on a Qatar Airways aircraft. So, um, you can't really compare in that sense, right? Because, um, like I said, it's actually completely different.
0: So, in that case, because Gulf Airlines in general are seen as very luxurious, right? Does that mean that what you're really competing on then is just price point? You're offering these options to customers um, at a lower price point where they can enjoy some part of the way in luxury and other parts of the way in semi-luxury?
1: I wouldn't say um, lower fares. I would always say a competitive fare is always being put in the market all the time, so that uh, people can actually choose. Uh, with the pent up demand that I've mentioned earlier, you know, uh, people are just eager to travel, and they would just want to make sure that they're able to get a seat. Getting a seat nowadays is actually not easy, you know. Uh, and if you decide at the very last minute, you would probably not be able to even get a seat. And uh, it has always been like that since the uh, border reopened. Uh, that's what we have seen. Um, so uh, you still get to fly Qatar Airways uh, aircraft because we still have one flight a day out of Kuala Lumpur. We still have from Singapore three flights a day, from Jakarta we operate three flights a day, and even from Manila we have seventeen flights a day. And then we also have out of Clark seven times a day, and we also operate into Cebu. So let's say if you let's say for example. Um, There was quite a number of people who have actually personally called me because they couldn't get seats uh, into Doha for the World Cup. And I gave them alternative. I said, you can always fly out of Singapore. And they they were able to do that. Even there are people who are willing to even travel to Jakarta to catch a flight out of Jakarta into Doha.
0: Okay, so you're saying that um, there are, options, that there are options. For, for there the, options for the willing, there are options to consider. Now, uh, you mentioned that the flights to Langkawi and Penang have been suspended since the pandemic. Is there a timeline in terms of when these will be resumed?
1: We don't have a timeline for now uh, because number one, like I mentioned, we are also short of aircraft. And uh, I, I guess it will take a little bit of time before the demand can actually be that very high for us to actually reoperate,
0: So it's acknowledgement that there's really no demand for these routes at this point?
1: Uh, There is, but it is actually not as much as before in 2019 for places as exotic as Langkawi. Uh, But with our co-chair partner, Malaysia Airlines, one can actually seamlessly fly out of uh, Manchester, for example. I don't know why I'm picking up on Manchester today. (laughs) Manchester into Doha, Doha into Kuala Lumpur, and then you can connect on Malaysia Airlines flight into Langkawi because we have the code share agreement anyway.
0: Uh, Are you exploring any other agreements, code shares with other airlines in Southeast Asia at this point? I mean, right now, Malaysia is your only code share agreement. But uh, is that a position that maybe we could uh, lose at some point as other airlines become more attractive?
1: Uh, Well, we do uh, continue to look out for code share partners because I think moving forward, at the end of the day, as an airline, a single airline, you can't fly to all destinations. You know, they are thousands of destinations worldwide. So you need a partner to do so because then you can actually bring your passenger to their hub and then they can actually disperse the passenger to uh, their hub and spoke um, strategy, right? Mm. And um, for Southeast Asia, not at the moment, but recently we signed up with JetBlue and we just had another uh, sh- um, sign up with uh, FinAir fin- fin- recently.
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay. And um, what do you think would improve Malaysia's attractiveness as an aviation hub? For Qatar Airways, your hub is in Hamad International Airport. But us over here, we are also looking to become an aviation hub for the region. What do you think needs to be prioritised in this endeavour? Where do we maybe fall short compared to other aviation hubs like Singapore and Bangkok? Uh,
1: the first thing is that it's, it's actually the connectivity, right? So like, for example, Hamad International Airport, We have what we call clear bangs. Uh, Let me explain to you uh, in lay terms, uh, meaning Uh, we have a clear departure and arrival every day four times. So basically what happens during this period is that all the aircraft arrives from all the destinations worldwide that we fly to. Just for your information, we fly to more than 150 destinations now, which is actually close to where we were before the pandemic already. And then all these aircraft will then be dispersed again within that hour to the destinations again. So because of that, we are a clear network carrier that carries one person to another destination via Hamad International Airport. And the transit time is actually as short as 45 minutes. In order for a hub to be successful, you need to have this first. And of course, the attraction of the country. Um, you know, why people want to visit Malaysia, for example, right? Um, So because of that, we recently signed up a partnership with uh, Tourism Malaysia. We signed up a memorandum of collaboration, um, basically focusing on marketing activities outside of Malaysia to promote Malaysia as the destinations for people to come. There's a lot uh, of uh, places that is beautiful in Malaysia that uh, probably we are not marketing it that much. For example, Redang Island, uh, in fact, those places in Sabah. And these are the places that we should actually be marketing in uh, outside in the world. And people can seamlessly fly via Haman International Airport into Kuala Lumpur and then go on our code share partners, even to Sabah, to Terengganu, and so on and so forth.
0: Okay, so that's essentially what this a collaboration with Tourism Malaysia is about. It's really trying to get more people to come to the country and hopefully use that through Qatar Airways. Dato, thank you very much for speaking with me today. You're most welcome. I've been speaking to Datuk Muzamil Muhammad, Regional Manager for ASEAN of Qatar Airways. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM
1: 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by Mobile 5G now with
0: you.